Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. In this episode, we talk about Computex and the G-Skill OC World Cup, and we take a look at overclocking the GTX 780 Ti Classified. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia, and with me today, I have Darren McKay. About this time every year, Dennis, we talk about the trade shows because it's trade show season. And I know we've already talked about CES, which seems like a bit of a distant memory, but I know that's not the only trip that you had planned this year. No, I plan two trips every year. One CES, obviously, and the second one is Computex in Taiwan. So the Computex trip tends to be something we talk a lot about, and it's coming. When is it coming? June 6th through June 5th or 6th or something like that. So what makes this trip so critical to you every year? Computex is that type of show that highlights and displays everything that Hardware Asylum deals with. Motherboards, video cards, processors, hard drive, storage, you name it in the computer world, it's there. What makes it different from CES, though? CES is a consumer electronics show. So it's tablets, phones, personal computers, whereas Computex is highlighting the manufacturing process and manufacturing and the component level. So you have motherboard manufacturers showing off their latest chipsets, video card manufacturers showing off the latest video card, and so on and so forth. The other important thing about Computex is that the things that are shown there are what we will be buying in Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's true. The all-important Christmas season. Yeah, like CES, for instance, is everything that we just bought. There's really nothing new there. And CBIT, which happens in the March time frame in Hanover, that's pretty much like vaporware products, the, you know, the stuff that they can't really show you. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't have heat sinks on it, doesn't have logos on it, and it's very pre-alpha stuff. Or they're showing things that we already saw from the previous year. And then CES is... It's like a victory lap of sorts, right? Where we show off what was successful and what's trending, I would say. Yeah, it's kind of what what actually made it past the manufacturing process that we'll be able to buy. And this year, we're going to have a new Intel chipset coming out. Nice. There's a rumor that there's going to be a new NVIDIA GPU that will be out around that time. Maybe it'll be just kind of an announcement. Who really knows? And I think AMD might have something, but I'm not not real tight with AMD, so I'm not sure. Well, it sounds like a lot of what-ifs, but is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to this year? There is a couple of things that are really important. The first one is the G-Skill OC World Cup. There's a live qualifier that's happening at Computex or during the show. This last month, at the time of the recording, there was an online qualifier that was held on HardwareBot. And the top six qualifiers from that, they're basically invited to this live qualifier that happens during Computex. Oh, so get an exciting trip out of it. Now, G-Skill isn't a company that I have heard a lot of competition sponsorships from. I mean, they don't even make a motherboard. So what are they looking for for hardware? Primarily just memory is what they're going to be providing. So the the layout of this competition is um, six competitors. Okay. They're going to span it over the four major days of Computex. The first day will be, what is it, competitors A and B. So basically the, the top seeds will be competing against each other. Okay. And then C and D, which is the second seeds. Those people will be competing in the four benchmarks that are allotted, and their scores are going to be compiled. The next day, it's going to be qualifier E and F, and then A and B again. And then on the third day, 
is qualifier C and D and then E and F. So it looks like each uh, qualifier is going to get a couple of runs at this at least with uh, hopefully some good hardware. Well, the hardware is an interesting discussion really because they're allowing you to use a Z87 or a Z97, which is the new one that we're not really even supposed to be talking about, but you get to bring your own. Oh, wow. Now that is different. You can either bring hardware that you have at home that you've used already, or you can partner with a sponsor that will actually provide the hardware for you. There's no mention of a manufacturer. So you can use an MSI board. You can use a Gigabyte board, Asus board, Ace Rock board, whatever one you like. Any limitations to cooling or setup? Nope. Wow. Not, so, not according to this, at least. So a truly unlimited competition. What's the uh, hardware restrictions for G-Skill? Well, let's see. G-Skill is providing memory, so they're going to be using the Trident X 3000 megahertz. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, some really good stuff there. They're also providing SSD, power supply, keyboard, mouse, LED monitor, operating system. You know, the, the basic stuff that you hook into. You know, the things that don't have a large impact on your score. Now, the, the other thing that is interesting is that you get to bring your own Haswell processor. Oh, wow. Okay. So hopefully you've got a good hand-picked one already. Yeah. Well, that's the binning process. And mm-hmm. these this is one reason that I didn't compete in this particular competition. I didn't want to spend the money on processors. But that's my decision. And a lot of these guys that are already done competitions before they have processors that they've used so they already know which one's good right the other unknown here is you get to use an msi 750 tie and that's provided looks like it's provided okay so that eliminates well any bin video cards well so to speak um according to this you are able to rework the pcb to add a six pin power connector which is good it's going to have Samsung memory, so you get better overclocking out of it because the timings are a lot tighter on those chips. You get a tuned Extreme OC BIOS, and uh, it looks like the card has to be returned afterwards, so it's a loaner from MSI. The interesting thing here, though, is that this is the 750 tie, the new Maxwell core that came out. Oh, that's right, yeah. And this so... is the one that started at the very, very bottom in terms of performance. But it has a new architecture, right? Yeah, it's the Maxwell core architecture, which is... The, a new generation of Kepler-based. It's a bit faster in terms of like clock for clock and more energy efficient, right. and it tends to overclock extremely well. Well, that's good to know. Well, looking at the competition, what are the benchmarks that they've chosen? Well, let's see. We have Catzilla, which is going to be our 3D benchmark, and that's at 720p, so it's not very high resolution either. Okay. And not surprisingly, everything else is memory-based. So we have SuperPi 32M. We have Aquamark, which is, that's the system benchmark for the most part, because it's like DirectX 8, I think. It's pretty old. So the video card isn't going to play into that too much. So fast processor, fast memory. And then the last one is core, you know, just a flat out memory clock. Well, it sounds like a good time and an opportunity to win a trip for our lucky few. Well, that's the trick though. G-Skill isn't paying for the trip. Oh. So you get to qualify, and then if you can get to Computex, you can compete. You have to pay for your ticket. You have to pay for the hotel. But on the flip side of things, the winner gets ten grand. Very nice. So this is more aimed at eh, sponsored overclockers or those with deep pockets already, it sounds like. Yeah, something like that. Or, you know, people like me that are already going to Computex. 
and, you know, just want something to do or something like that. <laughs> Get yourself on the list, right? Yeah. One of the other things that's happening after Computex is Hardware Bot is uh, 10 years old now. Wow, where does the time go? Yeah, I know. So they are having a um, an overclocker gathering for, let's see, the last day of Computex, which is the day nobody ever goes. Okay. So they're having... Um, now this is at Computex then? No, this is happening at a place called Maker Bar, and it's uh, right next to the computer market. Oh, okay. So they, I guess they rented the place out or something like that. You basically sign up, you can come in, you can bench. There's um, 25 bench spots, and you can use all the liquid nitrogen you want and overclock just to your heart's content. Nice. And then they have 50 spots for people that can just come in and watch. It's, uh, it should actually be really fun. And this is more of a party atmosphere as opposed to a pure competition, though. Oh, yeah. It's just a get-together is really what it is. So oh, good. Kind of the, you know, at CES this year, they had the bench house. You know, they rented one of the houses and invited a bunch of overclockers to stay there. And they would go and run benchmarks and trade secrets and stuff like that. A great way to network and to hone your skill and have a good time while you're at it. Well, a couple of great things to look forward to, it sounds like. Yeah. And if you can get yourself in the neighborhood... <laughs> the neighborhood of Taipei, Taiwan. I'd certainly encourage it as a great opportunity to check out some of the world's best overclockers going at it with G-Skill Memory and the after party, which sounds even more fun. And if you can't make it to Taipei, Taiwan, like myself, you can check out some of the overclocking festivities on Overclocking TV. I'll be posting a link on the official Facebook and Google Plus page for Hardware Asylum, so keep watch. As we're sitting here recording the podcast, Dennis, I notice that there's a familiar face, if you will, in the lab. A face? <laughs> a large container of LN2. Oh, yeah, that big silver nitrogen tank over there. It's yeah. very, very hard to miss. And for those of you that don't have the opportunity to work with liquid nitrogen in your house or home, I know that's very few of you. Uh, <laughs> this thing is a monster. It's, a, it's probably a good five feet tall. Uh, what size is that thing? It's supposed to be... 120 liters. They call it an NL50, but that's the size of the tank. So, But it's around 120 liters. Still impressive, and it's been a while since we've done any super clocking. So what do you have on the bench? Well, I have two video cards, GTX 780 Ties. Nice. These are the classified editions. One of them is the regular classified that anybody can buy. And the other one is the Kingpin edition, which is... Now more readily available than when it was first released. Ooh, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think we haven't revisited those two cards since, what, the Christmas season? Yeah, about that. That was, uh, let's see, Kingpin Edition card where it was reviewed late January, and let's see, the stock reference was in December, no, November, and then the regular classified was in December. Now, I know you had talked at the time about your adventures with air cooling, and this is now, it looks like your opportunity to come back and put the pressure on with a little bit of high-end supercooling. Tell us about that. Well, I should set the stage here. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so the reference card wasn't really one that I was going to overclock because it came with the six-phase VRM that was famous on the Titan. Right. It also is pretty weak when it comes to pushing a lot of voltage through it, a lot of current. So I wasn't going to overclock that card. Okay. But I wanted to compare what the regular classified card from EVGA did against the Kingpin Edition card, because they're both built for different purposes. How so? 
Well, the regular classified is designed mostly for, it's been to have higher than normal chips for good air cooling and a little bit of water cooling. The Kingpin Edition card is designed for all-out liquid nitrogen cooling. Now, I know there are also some physical differences between the cards. Not so much that you would notice. Obviously, the cooler is different. Right. The Kingpin Edition is a little bit more ornate. It has that clear plastic shroud on it and then some red accents. And then the heat spreader is actually split so that you can remove the memory portion of it and have a VRM cooler. And to tie the whole card together, you have to put a backplate on it, and actually that's what completes the ensemble. The regular classified, the heat spreader, is one solid piece because it's kind of designed for air cooling. If you put on like an EK water block, it comes with its own way of reinforcing the board and so on and so forth. So that's kind of an interesting comment. I know we've talked in the past about how to prepare a motherboard for overclocking, but I don't know that we've spent a lot of time talking about how to prepare a video card for overclocking. And I know I'm looking at one of your uh, your pots here, and mm-hmm. it's got a unique, well, maybe not quite unique, but a definitely a different look than the one that we use for CPU clocking. So maybe you can uh, kind of give us an overview of how you prepare a video card for a superclocking run. Okay, so the container that you see is actually a thin container designed for four-way video card overclocking. So it's not any wider than a dual-slot air cooler. And that makes sense because you'd have to stack these things together on most motherboards. Right. Now, there's more than one design, obviously. This is um, kind of a, it's a Rebia pot design, so it's pretty heavy in terms of how much copper is in it. Okay. So it works a lot like my CPU container where there's a lot of mass. So it takes a a while for it to bring temperature down, and it kind of evens out the fluctuations in temperature. That sounds important. (laughs) It is somewhat. There's um, what they call a fat pot, which is basically like a four or three slot design cooler. So there's considerably more mass in there, but there's also a wider opening at the top, making it easier to pour and making it pretty easy to, you can pour in the corner and pour a lot, and it won't actually cool down the chip as fast. So but the trade-off there is space, right? Because you couldn't run cards close together. No. You would be able to run probably a two-way if you had an Asus board that had like a three-slot clearance in between the two. Okay. And then there's also the Slim Pot that Kingpin sells, which is considerably smaller than that one, which I have here. Considerably less mass, a little bit more surface area in there, so it's a lot faster you really have to tend it quite often, you know, because as the GPU heats up, it's going to heat up the container and there's not a lot of mass to keep the temperature. So to summarize, more material gives you a much slower and more controlled cool because the temperature variations are evened out. And a thin one allows you a much more rapid response. Is that a fair summary? Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, there there's nuances with every container. And of that's, course. That's kind of the way that this one's made. So, well, it's a shame they're not all a standard size. So, you could have like one sort of comb design that they all fit in, but <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe someday. Well, and that's the, the different designs from the different designers. For instance, Kingpin actually made a container like the Reba Pot. Okay. And he stopped making that one because he substituted it with the Fat Pot, but then also had trouble keeping temperatures with that container. And that's the problem that I've run into a lot of times with that, where if I'm running a long session in um, like 3D Mark Vantage, for instance, okay, you almost have to pour constantly to keep the temperatures because it doesn't um, regulate very well. 
And that could be a lot of work if you're running a multi-card mm-hmm. setup. Yep. And if you're running right on the edge of like, okay, it has to be at 70C. Any less, then it would actually cold bug anymore and it would overheat. So Okay, so I'm looking at the fancy pot, but tell us a little bit about how you prep a card. I know we've kind of already talked about how we would remove a heat sink. Is this the same sort of prep that you would use for a motherboard with the eraser or Vaseline or whatever technique you prefer? Yeah, there is um, as many techniques to insulate a motherboard as there is a video card. I prefer needed eraser. I, I find that it comes off easy and it also really insulates against water very well. I also use liquid electrical tape, which is, for the lack of being able to describe it accurately, it's kind of like r- colored rubber cement. So it kind of brushes on and then it will kind of dry and then you can put on more layers and make it actually pretty thick to the point where you can peel it off and leave very little residue on the on the video card. Very interesting. You're talking about a super clocking run with these two cards. Mm-hmm. What's your plan of attack? Well, I've already done the attack actually. So I have to admit that I am not a avid video card overclocker. I know the theories and I've done it quite often on air and water cooling. But my previous um, experience with liquid nitrogen was just with a 780, or no, an HD 7970 Lightning, which is that card that you keep wanting to take. And I learned a lot using that card. Um, Basically, I needed to map it out. So I would say, well, what score did I get at this frequency? What temperature did I need? And what voltage did I need? And with any chip, as you're overclocking, the closer you get to the theoretical limit, the more voltage it's going to need. So it's kind of a logarithmic scale. I wanted to find out where that was with the 780 ties. I also wanted to check the performance of the Kingpin Edition card against the regular classified because the KPE card was supposed to be faster in every way. The Samsung memory that they used it has tighter timings. It also doesn't clock as well in terms of frequency but based off of the timing changes, it's supposed to be actually faster than the regular one. So this first run was the air-cooled test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did an air-cooled test and did side-by-side at the same clocks. I had to stay below the artifacting limit of the KPE card, which we can talk about that a little bit later. And then uh, basically when I was done with that test, I pulled all the coolers off, put mounted two pots, and started LN2 testing. So with that, I started with the regular classified. And I had no trouble at all. This card clocked like crazy, actually. I was able to max it out at 1650 megahertz. And I basically ran through um, four benchmarks. For me to do the test and make it valid, the card had to complete all four benchmarks at that clock speed. So Uh there was no like tweaking it to run faster for 3D Mark um, Firestrike versus 3D Mark 11, so on and so forth. Okay. So how did it do? It did actually really well. Um, it didn't require any more than 1.5 volts. I had to flash on a special LN2 BIOS. There's a classified voltage tool out there that will allow you to change the core memory and um, express voltages. It does that in software, uh, much like what the EV bot does, except that you have to spawn up the tool and then do the changes that way. So that was the old attempt. What's different this time? Well, I switched over to the Kingpin Edition card, and I was expecting around 1,800 megahertz out of it. The, the reason being is that the classified card, the regular one, has a voltage limit where it won't allow more than 1.5 volts to get to the core, or at least to be set. The 
Kingpin Edition card was unlocked to the point where you can feed in like up to two volts to the GPU. Wow. That's supposed to allow you more overclocking headroom and better performance. Unfortunately, I was having some trouble getting that card to clock well. I basically maxed out at 1550. Oh, much lower. The overclocking procedure was different, supposedly. It shouldn't have been, but I guess it was. The chips were bend for LN2 overclocking, so they have a lower quality. But the idea is that you feed it more voltage, and when you make it cold, it will actually run better than some of the higher bend chips that are better for air cooling. Makes sense. But the problem was, since the VRM on the Kingpin Edition card was different than on the classified card, the classified voltage tool didn't set voltages correctly or something. Oh, okay. So I basically needed to seek out an EV bot. And I think you were successful because what have I got right here? <laughs> you have an EV bot. The thing with EV bot is that uh, EVJ stopped making them like four years ago or something like that. And they um, just recently went out of stock about two years ago. So they made quite a few of them. They didn't sell them. Well, so, not that recent. Two years. Something like that. Two years, I think. And since then, they've been in really high demand, partially due because of cards like the Kingpin Edition card. To get the most from the card or even uh, the new motherboards, you have to have the EVBot tool. So how does one get an EVBot tool these days? <laughs> well, you kind of do what I did and just basically set an alert on eBay for whenever one gets listed. And I got lucky. I found one in Michigan, and I kind of joked with Vince saying that I think it was an excavation of old Detroit. <laughs> there you go. But it was basically new in box, so somebody bought it and didn't use it. Unfortunately, they wanted a lot of money for it. Well, they are getting to be a bit of a rarity, I suppose. Yeah. With this tool, I, um, I basically revisited the Kingpin Edition card. Turns out that the tool allows higher voltages. It allows different PWM frequencies. It allows memory frequency changes a lot more than what the classified voltage tool would allow. So it allows you to use the card the way they was meant to be used. So a little bit of an aside here for folks that haven't seen one of these. What an EV bot is, is really a breakout controller. Mm -hmm. So you're going to plug that into the back of your, your card or your motherboard for your, your compatible motherboards. And then it has a screen on it that kind of reminds me of a of a voltimeter, maybe. It's kind of like an iPod, really. Yeah, well, that's a good description with, mm -hmm. of course, a handful of buttons that allow you to select your specific uh, targeted clock or frequency and then raise it or lower it on the fly. And you can do this via the breakout box while your PC or your video card or whatever is running. Mm -hmm. So in theory, it also has a much lower overhead than a software-supported solution. Yes, and it contacts the hardware directly so it doesn't actually go through the OS and be affected by any driver verification or driver variance. So certainly a lot of advantages inherent to having an EV bot as opposed to a software solution, especially as in the mentioned example, mm -hmm. one that isn't exactly a one-to-one -one solution <laughs> for the card that you're using. Yes. So with that in mind, what have you seen? Well, unfortunately... I had trouble with the first card, and right. I was using the software tool, and it's not uncommon for a video card to have a bad GPU. It may work great under air, but when it gets cold or tries, you try to really push the frequency, that's where the quality of the chip comes into play. And these are actually bend to be lower quality, so 
there's a higher chance that they will be bad. According to Vince, every Kingpin Edition card should be able to run 1800 megahertz. It's somewhat guaranteed. I can't say that that's a guarantee of the GPU, but it's a guarantee of the capability of the card. Okay. So I sent it back to have it tested. Uh, Vince said that this was like the best card that he's ever seen. And um, I guess I never got it back because the card I got back was not the one I sent. Oh, no. So when I revisited my overclocking adventure, I actually was running into tearing and artifacting. So I was being limited by the hardware, whereas before I was being limited by my overclocking toolbox, so to speak. All in all, I, I still believe that the Kingpin Edition card is the fastest card that you can buy, the fastest 780 tie that you can get. You obviously need to have the tools to take advantage of it. You need to have an LN2 container. You need to have an EV bot if you really want to push it. And you also need to have a little bit of knowledge about how the cars overclock and what voltage you need to have. And some of that is just trial and error. Well, unfortunately, you never know what your card is capable of until you get it under the LN2, as they say. Yeah. To be honest, I was expecting a very similar overclocking adventure that I had with the regular classified. I mean, I put the container on it. I brought temps down. And as I started running into problems, I either lowered the temperature or I increased the voltage. And it just took a little trial and error. And then I found the maximum of that. It wasn't until talking to Vince that I knew that I found that maximum because he said, well, there's a hardware limitation and 1650 is the max for that card. It won't go any faster. Well, I hit the max. It was kind of kudos for me. Yay. Unfortunately, that didn't translate well into the KPE card, Kingpin Edition. I don't find a fault in the way that I was overclocking. It was just the tools I had were not what I needed. I now, I'm seeing, if I'm not mistaken, three of these cards? Yeah. Well, I have uh, the regular 780 tie reference. Mm-hmm. I have a 780 tie classified that I ended up buying a backplate for because I screwed up the heat spreader on the inside. Yeah, but a backplate is a, a fairly essential tool. I'm surprised most high-end cards don't come with one automatically. No. Well, with EVGA, that's, uh, that's an extra. And then I have the 780 Tie Classified Kingpin Edition. So, three cards at my disposal. I am going to be doing some three-way 780 Tie overclocking action and basically just kind of pad my scores on HWBot, but um, it should also be really fun. So what would you expect out of Triple? That's a pretty amazing setup to be testing for. Well, all of the cards that I have will run close to 1,200 megahertz, so I'm hoping that all three of them will do that. And that's a lowest common denominator sort of setup? Yeah, the that's before the KPE card will start artifacting. The regular classified I have will actually run a lot faster than that. And the limited VRM on the stock card kind of limits its overclocking ability. So that's really where I'm going to be targeting. It might go faster, it might go slower. The real limiting factor here will be my power supply. Because one of these cards draws over, what is it, 400 watts? So I'm going to need to have um, kind of a couple of tandems set up, I think, or pull out the 1500 water. No kidding. Wow. So three cards working at the lowest common denominator. And this is an air-cooled adventure, I'd take it? Yeah, I'm not going to break out any water blocks for it. If I was doing water blocks, it could probably push a little bit more and not feel too bad. But even if I only had one water block, that means I'd have to buy two more. And that's kind of an expensive adventure just to get points. I know that these cards are getting more and more affordable. So a lot of folks already have one of these cards and may be considering 
where there are second or third cards in their future. So I know I'm looking forward to seeing the results. And it's always fun to see what three top cards can do. Check back to the Hardware Asylum webpage or follow us on Facebook to see those results as they come up. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwareasylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS, now available on iTunes. Join us on Facebook or follow us on Google. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2014. Thanks for listening.